All right, good morning, everybody. Hope you're all having a great morning. Let's hop in and talk about 10 of the trending articles in the cryptocurrency space. Yeah, but hey, first things first, thanks to all those who have subscribed. I really do appreciate it. And any articles we're talking about today, you can find down in the description. So that way you can check them out for yourself because believe me, you need to do your own research. So, hey, uh, first up on the docket, PayPal. Someone dug up a letter that seems to confirm that uh, they're looking at developing some crypto-based solutions. Let's get in and talk about this a little bit. So, PayPal has confirmed that it is developing capabilities in the cryptocurrency space according to a letter from the European Commission, which they submitted on March 20th. So, already I'm like, oh, this article is pulling on sources that are months old, but eh, let's see. So, in the letter, the payments giant admitted to continuously monitoring and evaluating the global developments in the crypto and blockchain distributed ledger space, stressing that it favors a harmonized regulatory approach that wouldn't compromise innovation. Further, PayPal addressed its relationship with crypto assets, noting that in 2019 it joined the Libra Association to learn more about the proposed use of blockchain technologies and to provide financial services to unbanked populations across the globe. And, you know, since PayPal's inception, they've taken unilateral and tangible steps to further development its capabilities in this area, and therefore, without questioning the value of the project, took the decision not to participate in the Libra Association and to continue to focus our advancing our existing mission and business priorities to democratize access to financial service. Dear Lord. So, in a vague but uh, substantial letter to the European community, Commission, they're basically saying, yeah, no, we're, 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 we're interested. We're doing things, you know, wink, 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 wink. Look, I think we can all say at this point, PayPal is probably going to be dropping something. The question is when is it going to be Q3, Q4 of this year? Is it going to be sometimes next, sometime next year? Like crypto is on the verge of an explosion. It feels like to me and PayPal, if they want to contribute to it, and help um, push it along, gonna need to get into the game. You know, um, you know. Obviously, the report earlier in June was that you know they're considering direct sales of crypto assets or letting people like us store their crypto in their in-house digital wallet. Um, they've commented multiple times that PayPal's not gonna comment on rumors or speculation. But around the time of this drop, they announced two crypto-related openings as it was looking for blockchain and crypto engineers. They're just doing the initial steps now. We're not going to see something for at least a year. But if they're uh, re-upping and reorganizing themselves to make that final last push, eh, we could see something pretty soon. It all remains to be seen. Still pretty speculative at this point, but it makes sense to me. You're one of the largest companies for payment issuance. Um, going, why why not add crypto? Especially if it's going to become a big thing, even if you can only do it in a few countries to start off in, like you know, America or the European Union, which I know isn't a country, but the the EU has a similar structure to the United States. That's all I'm going to go into that on. But hey, um, we'll see how this goes. So uh, let's hop over and talk about some V Chain. It's pretty cool. So um, a few hours ago. 
The San Marino Innovation Institute announced the start of a new consortium that will promote the use and further development of blockchain in the country. The founding members include the following persons. Renato Grolata, Director of Digital Transformation at DNGVL and member of the steering committee of the VeChain Foundation. Vincenzo Di Nicola, Di Nicola, oh dear lord, advisor to the government of San Marino in the field of blockchain and Sarah Nagler, founder of Polyhedra. It's pretty interesting. Uh, the initiatives behind this are designed to promote ideas and visions to attract investors on an international level. Furthermore, the competitiveness of San Marino and the blockchain sector is to be further developed and promoted. Finally, the cooperation with other institutions and the exploration of possible synergy effects shall be promoted. Um, which is insane to me. Uh, they're going to be meeting you know, at the end of the month, so a couple weeks from now, uh, to lay the foundation for the development of a new blockchain hub in Europe. It's pretty interesting. Like, I'm very excited for VeChain. They keep popping up, and I just, I, I keep thinking, okay, that's going to probably be it for a little bit. They're going to go quiet, and then just another article, and they're just snapping off. So, uh, Jackson Fu, the co-founder of Cream, which is an incubator for blockchain companies, explained in detail why VeChain is one of the most valuable products in the crypto industry. According to him, uh, it can solve several core problems of the industry while no other project from the crypto scene has been able to bring to production. Ooh, I mean, VeChain's definitely pretty strong in um, using the blockchain to verify the validity of goods and help prevent counterfeits. And of course, the medical record access we're seeing with the coronavirus that they're doing. It's pretty interesting. Now they got this consortium going on with San Marino. I believe they've signed a memorandum of understanding with them. Um, oh, I'm sorry, they signed it with the DNVGL and several other partners to establish a sustainable blockchain based ecosystem. I mean, VeChain's just popping off right now. And don't be sleeping on it. At the very least, keep an eye, follow it, see where it goes. Not everyone should be jumping into every project in the crypto space. We all only have so much money. But this is definitely a coin to keep an eye on. I really do feel that way. Wouldn't have said that six months ago, but I'm saying it now. So, yeah. All right. Let's hop over. Gemini. Yeah. So, they're boosting security for their mobile traders. It's pretty cool. So they've integrated support for uh, wired, wireless hardware security keys, a physical two-factor authentication method into their mobile app today, aiming to provide stronger security for mobile traders. Uh, for years, um, the current generation of these USB security-based keys, I don't know how many of you have them or use them, but you can keep it on your keychain. It's just a USB key. And you have to have it plugged into the computer when you log on to your websites. Otherwise, it won't let you in. But since you can't really do that on mobile devices, which is what the majority of people do nowadays is mobile web surfing, it's becoming a bit of an issue. So hardware security keys are deemed to be one of the most secure means of account authentication available. Using two-factor, these keys verify the user identity without needing to send out an SMS or a one-time password. Uh, not only do hardware security keys stop phishing attacks in their tracks, but they're much more secure than at their SMS-based counterparts, putting a swift end to dreaded SIM swapping, replay, or person-in-the-middle attacks, all of which rely on SMS or OTPs. It's pretty interesting. 
So you would need to register at least two hardware keys to make the use of the new login method, one supported by the user's mobile device, and another cross-platform security key, like uh, YubiKey. Um, this is pretty good. We're actually going to talk about exchange security later on in the video today a little bit more, so I'm not going to get into this. But anything that allows a user to, to improve upon their own security and take those steps is good. You should be doing everything in your power to make your wallets and your exchange accounts as secure as possible. I know it's annoying having to enter all those things, but what's even more annoying is when someone gets in and steals all your money because they cloned your SIM. Like, it's an annoyance to prevent a headache. That's all it is. <laughs> you know. I, I really can't say too much more about this article. Just if you use Gemini, upgrade. Figure out what you got to do and upgrade. Alrighty, let's jump over. Chainlink. Oh man, it's integrating with a new social network called Revolution Populi. Um, so it's led by uh, David Geltner, a futurist and distributed computing pioneer. Uh, they're integrating oracles in there. Oh, Chainlink. So it is a social network where users can post and share information about their lives, but advertisers pay them, not Facebook. The network is just the first of many distributed apps the company plans to release in the future. Uh, this David Geltner guy is an interesting dude. Uh, he's their chief visionary officer. Um, you know, he first made a name in the 80s with his contributions to the field of parallel computing. Uh, in 91, he published a book, Mirror Worlds, which foreshadowed the development of the World Wide Web including the social networking phenomenon. Uh, the acclaim likely <laughs> attracted the unwanted attention of Ted Krasinski, the Unabomber, and Geltner was actually very injured by opening a package filled of explosives. So, dude's had a pretty interesting life. I don't know how that pertains to the performance of Revelation Populi, but hey, it's there. Uh, so they're building a three-legged stool. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm not going to get into too much, but um, basically the three legs are going to be a social net, so like an ecosystem where uh, you control your own data, not the company, so then the other two legs would be a decentralized database, like a DAO, and the third leg will be an exchange market for data, so you can actually sell your own data to advertisers if you so choose. So that way they know what to advertise to you, and you can make you a little bit more money that you can then turn around and spend on their products. So the company will purportedly unveil its own blockchain in the coming weeks, which will serve as a backbone for the <laughs> stool. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So Rosenthal believes the Chainlink integration does not, does not just provide a necessary layer to his project. It can help the Oracle provider broaden its horizons. Uh, he says, I think they've got an unfairly typecast and the and the DiFi world, I think their technology can be spread to other projects such as ours and are more broad-based and more ecosystem-based. Spoke to the guys. I believe they're pretty excited about this integration and it brings them into kind of another realm. I'm not disputing that it, um, cr it creates, you know, new opportunities for Chainlink, but Chainlink, uh, when was that interview? Because Chainlink is up popping off so I, I don't think they really um, are struggling and are being typecast they really seem to be coming into their own right now but that's just my two cents but hey uh, let's hop over and talk about Tron yeah that's right 
So Tron signs a partnership to bring TRX and Just, which is their stablecoin, to 13,000 ATMs in South Korea. Uh, yeah, it partnered up with crypto payment company Mekon Cash. The partnership will allow Mekon Cash to distribute it through those ATMs in South Korea. Uh, users will be able to withdraw their funds in fiat cash. Oh yeah, so Mekon Cash is a platform for payment solutions, rewards, transactions, related to cryptocurrencies, online and mobile services. It's currently in the process of integration with other services such as ATMs, gaming application, hospital fee payment, among other things. Uh, the release states that tourists visiting South Korea will be able to have quick access to their money without having to go through the trouble of an exchange. In addition, they'll be able to avoid the limitations imposed on tourists for undeclared cash amounts. See, we'll see how long that lasts, but that's really cool that I could visit South Korea and withdraw my money, withdraw my Tron for South Korean money and not have to worry about taking money over, doing the exchange rate, or finding an ATM and sticking my debit card in there and potentially getting scammed because I don't know the area, I can't read what's going on. Like, this has got some real benefits for it. Um, it really does. So, additionally, users may use their money to pay at merchants that do not accept electronic peer-to-peer -peer payments. This association also offers its users lower associated fees compared to a credit or debit card. And Justin Sun is excited to start working together with Mekon Cash. The rise of crypto payment systems is already here, and our mission is to help regular people access this convenient and simple payment method. Yeah, no, being able to do that when you're traveling is simple. It's convenient. And it's got a real-world use case, so it checks all the things in my boxes of things that crypto companies need to be doing to help push themselves forward. So, good move, Tron. Um, yeah. So, it's interesting. Uh, just Tron's stablecoin. Uh, apparently, it was excess during its first sale on launch base, and it ran out in five minutes. So, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I am, like I said, super excited about things for them. I really do. Hope it works. Alrighty. So that is oh, five of the ten articles we're talking about today. Stand up, stretch, oh, yawn, do what you got to do, and then let's hop into things. Alright, let's hop over, talk about some pretty interesting Ethereum news. So as we all know, DeFi has been having a moment, and it's not really doing wonders for Ethereum itself. The tokens built atop this network are having a pretty big year. So the, to the total market cap for all ERC-20 tokens running on Ethereum topped $33 billion, according to data compiled and shared by the Defiance's own Camilla Russo. And just so you're aware, we can pop over here for a second. Ethereum's market cap is $26 billion. So the amount of tokens running on Ethereum altogether are worth more than Ethereum itself, which blows my mind. Why isn't the coin that has a $33 billion market cap built on top of it going insane right now? So, yeah, what this all boils down to is the total value of the economy built around Ethereum now exceeds it. And this doesn't even consider the value of unique tokens based on the ERC-721 standard, uh, like CryptoKitties or Gods Unchained. 
which move several million dollars on their own, so the gap's likely even wider. Uh, depending on how you look at it, this could be a sign of market maturity. Ethereum could be providing its value as a decentralized global supercomputer, supercomputer upon which various applications are built. Uh, in other words, the value of Ethereum as a technology likely cannot be simply measured in terms of Ethereum's market cap. ETH, after all, is but one part of a complex ecosystem that continues to evolve. And it has evolved in some interesting ways. Um, I don't know if it's a sign of market maturity or just that ERC-20 doesn't bring the hype that it did back in 2017, as well as the fact that if you're using all these tokens, you might not actually know they're ERC-20 tokens. Like, most people will, but some users may not. Like, I struggle to remember, is this a ERC-20 or are they on their own mainnet? Because some started as ERCs and then jumped over, some came. Like, the ecosystem is complex, so I can definitely see the divide between Ethereum and the tokens that run on top of it. And it can actually be, in my opinion, some of its market maturity, some of its, you know, a complex ecosystem figuring stuff out, and some of it is just ignorance on the base of the user. And I mean that in the the nicest way possible. I really do. I mean, there's there's no other way to to say it, but just you might be holding some coins that you don't know are ERC twenty tokens. I might be too. I don't even know. Just because, uh, depending on the wallet where you hold it at, it might be in its own separate little thing as opposed to an ERC twenty folder like you might find on MetaMask. So something to think about. It's definitely an interesting. Thing that just blew my mind when I read it but hey let's uh, while we're all recouping from this let's talk about uh, taxes I just filed mine and god it was a pain in the butt so, so guys this uh, Nicholas D is talking about his experiences with the US Internal Revenue Service so he was he spent four hours on a phone call with TurboTax uh, and he found out he didn't owe any taxes on his admittedly meager Bitcoin holdings. Uh, it should have been obvious at no point did he sell fiat or convert it into another crypto. So he was also reminded he should check his blockchain account to see if he ever got the XLM it was airdropping because it might result in owing tra taxes on the crypto. He didn't. Um, so he's like, do I need to report $15 of Bitcoin I sent to a wallet I can't access anymore? I don't think so. So... Um, this guy states, you know, he's been covering taxes around the crypto space for the past year, talked to more than half a dozen certified public accountants, tax lawyers, and professionals about what the IRS's issued crypto tax guidelines are actually telling us. For a reporter who's been embedded in the space is having trouble, imagine how hard it might be for a complete newcomer. It is an incredible pain in the butt, as we should all know. Uh, even the IRS admits guidance leaves some questions on answered an official who did not have authorization to speak publicly and now and acknowledge some of the guidance published to date could be clarified and is not ideal that's a political way of saying it sucks so taxpayers can use different methods to report how they believe they owe but they should be consistent when calculating gains and losses using weighted averages for example might be impermissible under existing guidelines and the faqs which Nicelar noted is not published guidance. So, yeah. The IRS is working on it. They're working on it, guys. Don't worry, they're working on it. 
about how to get proper information reporting and what that is. Uh, and they recognize that guidance is lacking as far as what exchanges should report on. And we're working as part of the, what they're working on is part of a guidance plan that is really probably the topmost guidance priority for the IRS in the realm of virtual currency at this time. So they're working on it, guys. Don't worry. Don't, don't worry. They're working on it. But we have even more questions, and it involves staking. Um, Ethereum, once it finally shifts to 2.0. Cardano, when it drops. Um, you know, the second largest cryptocurrency's consensus mechanism will shift from proof of work to proof of stake. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of us making passive income. If you hold Tezos, you're making passive income. I believe Chainlink's talking about staking, or they are doing staking. Don't don't at me in the comments. Uh, I don't know enough about Chainlink, as I probably should. Um, but they're doing all these things. So on top of that, DeFi platforms don't issue tax forms. So how does margin trading affect things? How do crypto futures affect things? Like, there's so many questions. <laughs> And this space is evolving so quickly that uh, government agencies are having a very hard time keeping up. Uh, I believe with staking, you should be, you know, recording what you make and how much the crypto is worth when you make it, similar to mining, and that gets treated as income. But then are you? But then you also get taxed when you sell it, based on you know, whether the price has risen or fallen, which prices fluctuate by the second. So it's just a, um, it's a mess. It really is just a mess and it's not gonna get any simpler. And this hampers adoption. So we need to get some clear, concise, and simple guidelines that we can all follow because the last thing we want is to get in trouble with the IRS because we did something wrong when the system's so complex even CPAs are struggling with it. So that's all I'm going to say about that. <clears throat> uh, let's talk about the exchange market. You know, I, I said we were going to talk about security again later in the video, and here we are. So market analytics firm CryptoCompare found that lower tier exchanges are continued to be squeezed by top exchanges like Binance and Coinbase. These exchanges who carry the low amount of lowest amount of risk for traders uh, because they're graded on factors such as security insurance and market quality have increased their market share in the past nine months around the firm this increasing gulf in volume between top tier exchanges and low tier exchanges is probably a sign of a more mature market mature market theme of today so crypto compare gave its top accolade a double a grading to just gemini and coinbase among those listed the next rung down with an a are binance kraken and bitfinex so in the last quarter of 2019, top tier exchanges, the top 68 of the 165 in crypto compare study, or any exchange with a B rating or above accounted for 32% of global volumes in the second quarter of 2020, 40%. So they're gaining ground 8% market share between the last quarter of 2019 and the second quarter of this year. It's a nice jump. Um, so, but the crypto exchange market as a whole, crypto compare found overall security is pretty poor. So 15% of exchanges claim to hold 95% of user funds in cold wallets, um, which are not connected to the internet and makes them resistant to hackers. I also found that just 5% of exchanges offer insurance on cryptocurrency. 
Um, and CypherTrace also determined that 44% of exchanges have poor or inadequate know your customer checks. So pretty uh, interesting stuff overall. I think personally that as the market matures, we're going to gravitate to these larger exchanges because of that increased security, insurance on any cryptos on there. So if the exchange gets hacked, I'll get some of my money back. Anything that reduces the risk, we're willing to trade off those things. I signed up for Lord knows how many different exchanges back in the day. And at this point, I use Coinbase and Binance. Um, just because I've used them longest, I've trust them. I know they have insurance. And it's just those things that they make me feel more secure. They've got, you know, multiple levels of authentication you know, two-factor things that I can enable, I like them. It makes me feel safer, and therefore I'm gravitating to it, and more and more users are going to be doing the same thing as me because we want that security because as these coins get become worth more and more and more and more, it's more and more of a risk to us if we put them in a place that's poorly managed and can lose it all. So there's that. Like I said, security is becoming a large concern. God, the scams don't stop on YouTube every time I go on the page, dear Lord. <sighs> All right, so let's talk about Paxful for a minute. I do like this picture Cointelegraph used. Um, so they reached $4.6 billion in peer-to-peer -peer trading volume for their five-year anniversary, and it's forecasting an additional 2 million users by the end of the year. <laughs> so when you look at the data on things they credit emerging markets Africa Nigeria uh, when you look at our data in Africa should be a colon not a comma but whatever Nigeria Ghana and Kenya lead in terms of volume this year coming in fourth and surprisingly one breakout country we've seen is Cameroon where you have 5 million USD in volume year-to-date uh, in terms of the COVID-19 pandemic, it has impacted the usage of cryptocurrencies on our platform and more specifically the interest in a non-traditional monetary asset. We believe the continued growth is more a result of financial inequity that continues to plague the world. Uh, I 100% agree. We've been talking about this a lot. A lot of countries are really struggling right now. United States, really struggling right now. Grappling with so many different things. You know... Uh, Venezuela, Argentina, Lebanon, collapsing currencies, record high inflation, governments doing the only thing they can do, which is printing as much money as humanly possible, which while it may get us through this initial part, will create huge problems down the line. So having a global currency, alternative currencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all the others becoming more and more viable options, especially in these emerging markets where infrastructure may be low, but it's easier to access Wi-Fi than it is to get to a bank. So you do most of your stuff mobily. That's just how it's gonna be. It's very interesting. We'll see how this world develops, especially with those Starlink satellites Musk is launching and all that stuff. Soon you'll be able to get fast, fast internet all over the globe. And if it can be done cheaply and economically, it will allow emerging markets to just leapfrog many traditional networking systems. But hey, um, yeah, 
Got to round this out with a little Coinbase talk. So leading cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase may be gearing up to launch its own token. Uh, so, hey, Fortune senior reporter Jeff Roberts on the Unchained podcast says news that the high profile exchange is preparing for a listing on the stock market. It's not surprising. Uh, he's more interested in the possibility the firm may issue a token alongside this offering. Um, he talked to Fred Ersham, one of the CEO founders of Coinbase, and he hinted strongly this could be some sort of token issuance. Uh, and he says, you know, it'd be lame if they just did, you know, garden variety IPO, but in terms of the regulatory part, that's hard. I mean, are they going to sell the tokens to accredited investors and then, you know, sell general share to the public? Or can they get the SEC to bless some sort of token issuance? Uh, who knows? Maybe they will get, you know, they will get a blessing to do a token offering, but I'm pretty sure whatever's going on, they're going to hold it really tightly because leaking this stuff is going to piss off the regulators and could imperil any token listing. Insanity. We've talked about Coinbase, talking about the IPO. They had their very first investor day, and now this guy is being like, well, they're, they're looking at, you know, stocks and, and a token. I mean... They might be looking at these things, but honestly, the regulatory environment in the U.S. and the fact that Coinbase has been very much integrated into the system as it stands and wants to continue to have that position means they're going to do whatever the SEC tells them. Don't expect any rebel Coinbase token to be dropped. So we'll see what happens, but this just lends further credence to the idea that, yeah, we're going to get a stock marketing listing and possibly soon. But, all right, hey, guys, that does it for today. That was 10 of the trending articles in the crypto space. Thanks for sticking around with me all the way to the end. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, especially if you've made it to this point, because why the heck not? goes a long way to helping this small little channel of mine. Um, yeah, so, uh, markets got a bit of a down day today. You know, uh, not one coin in the top 10 is positive. Not one coin in the top 15 is positive. Uh, and two coins in the top 20 are positive. Um, well, technically three, but two of them are stable coins. <laughs> so not sure what's going on today. Oof. But you know what'll happen. We'll have a random spike tomorrow or the day after, and that's just the crypto space, baby. So uh, thanks for sticking around with me all this time. I appreciate you all, and I'll be talking to everyone soon. Have a great one.